Amen. God bless you. announcement um out in the foyer on the at the information center there's a box and beside the box is a a bulletin uh from pastor charles's memorial yesterday if you have a remembrance you would like to share uh with janelle and the family about charles his impact or or just something from reminding you of him from his past investment in your life if you'd like to Fill that out and put it in the box. That'd be a real blessing to the family, and that'll be available right after the service at the Information Center. Praise God. We're glad that he's on with the Lord. Amen. And uh, just continue to pray for Janiel here with us and, and for the rest of the family. God's, God's grace and blessing during this time. <clears throat> I would like for, uh, just before Pastor Poole comes to preach, for Richard and Tanya Davis to go ahead and come and their family. Uh, We are going to dedicate their uh, son, Joseph Keith Davis, and who would like for them to go ahead and come, and whoever in the family is coming with them, maybe just them, praise God. Amen. If you guys would just go ahead and come and just stand right up here. Praise God. Joseph Keith Davis was born 
March the 16th. Uh, he was born three and a half months early, uh, preemie, and uh, has some, some real health challenges in his life. But today, as uh, Richard and Tanya have brought him up to dedicate him, we're going to lay hands on Joseph and pray for God's recovery, a miraculous work in his whole body. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. We believe in a God who's able to do that kind of thing, don't we? Amen. I do want to just read a, a verse of Scripture out of the Bible. Joseph is his name. And there was a, there's a couple of Josephs in the Bible of note, but I want to read a verse of Scripture that is talking about the blessing from Joseph of the book of Genesis. This is a blessing that was brought on him by his dad, and uh, this is a verse of Scripture today that we are going to pray uh, that blessing on this Joseph. It says in Genesis 49, verse 26, the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be upon the head of Joseph. We're going to pray that special blessing on Joseph's head today, that blessing that is just absolutely beyond the imagination. Can you say amen? And so I'd like for you to just, if you would, stretch your hands out towards this family and toward Joseph. Uh, we're going to, first of all, pray uh, healing and, and a miracle through his body right now. And then we're just going to pray God's blessing over their lives as parents and over jo Joseph as he grows uh, and uh, matures in the Lord. Amen. Let's pray right now. Lord, we thank you for this child. We thank you for this gift from you. What a blessing. And we speak life into Joseph's body. We speak healing into his body. We thank you, Lord, that he is going to grow blessed of you. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your healing touch in his body from any complications that may be there. Lord, uh, we thank you for blessing right now and bringing healing, God, and assurance uh, of a blessed future life and growth, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, we pray today for these parents, for Richard and for Tanya. God, your hand on their lives as they raise Joseph and the rest of their family. God, that you would continue to give them wisdom and counsel, ability beyond their own means, Lord. They have brought their child, their children before you today, God, in faith, trusting you to help them in the raising of them in the way that you would have, Lord. And we thank you for them. We thank you for their faith that's expressed in doing this today. And we praise you most of all for your overshadowing, for your blessing, for the power of your love over this family, your help, God, today, your special grace Amen. On their lives in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. What a beautiful boy. Amen. God bless you, Richard. Tanya, thank you for coming. God. Praise God. Let's give them a big hand, would you? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to exit stage 
whatever, left, right, whatever. Praise God. Isn't it good to see little babies being dedicated to the Lord and the power of God working in their lives? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John, the book of John this morning, chapter number 15. Um, Man, I'll tell you, it's been quite a weekend. Amen. God has been so good to us. Hallelujah. Those of you there in the back, I've got people pointing. They can't hear me. Hallelujah. I'll get loud. I promise. How's that? We'll get after it. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn over to John 15, verse number 7. We're just going to begin right away. And the Bible says these words. You can put it up there if you would. 15, 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now you need to know this morning, this is a powerful portion of scripture because it's giving us some truth that we need to hang on to. Let me ask you a question. Think about this for a moment. If you could know that every prayer would be answered, every desire fulfilled, and every need met, can you imagine what that would be like? Think about it for a moment. Every prayer, every prayer that you pray, every desire that you have, and every need that is in your life would be taken care of. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, oftentimes in life, as we go through life, we pray, but we pray with, to some degree, we pray with a wonder. I know, I know that we're supposed to pray in, in faith, and I, I know we pray with expectation, but a lot of times we, we do approach prayer with a little bit of trepidation in the sense that I'm not really sure. But the Bible tells us this in 1 John chapter 5. It says, we know that God hears us, and if he hears us, then he answers us. Those, that's our confidence today. But the problem is, is we see a lot of people that are still contending in prayer. They're still wondering, is that going to work for me? Is that going to happen? I wonder if God is going to come through for me. But could it be, is it possible to know without the exception of a doubt, to know that every prayer is going to be answered, every need met, every desire fulfilled. Is it possible? I say yes. And you say, why is that? Because the Bible says this. He says, if you dwell in me and my words dwell in you, you will ask what you will and it will, not maybe, not could be, it will be done for you. Now, that's exciting to me, and I've had to think about that. I've thought, you know, God, are you really serious in that? Are, 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 are you just kind of, you know, making us, you know, chase it out a little bit? God's serious. God says, I will meet every need. I will fulfill every desire, and I will answer every prayer. You see, when Jesus dwells in you and his word or you dwell in Jesus and his word dwells in you, you will never ask anything out of his will. Your desire will never be anything but godly. 
your need will always be something his promises fulfill. Are you hearing me? See, that's the important part about this verse, and we need to pay attention to this. If you abide in me, and then your words abide in you. If my words abide in you, your prayers are going to be answered. Man, that's, that's good news. Can you say amen? Now, at the very fundamental of Christianity, we know and recognize our need to abide in him. We may not always know how, we may not always know why, but Christianity at its very core is Christ in us and us in him. But the concept this morning of his words abiding, taking residence in us, dwelling in us, is more often a foreign thing to us. I want you to think about this with me. See, many people have come to a place in their Christianity where the word of God is for preachers or teachers or theologians, not everyday people. Amen. I know, I, I, it was quiet like this in all of the services. They said, what, what are you saying? Think about it for a moment. How much time do you give to the word of God in daily living? How much time do you spend in the word? That's a tough question, isn't it? Sometimes that's hard to answer. Sometimes we, 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 we think to ourselves, well, you know, I, I would like to spend more time in the word, but the problem is, is I just don't understand it. It confuses me at times. I, 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 just, I just don't know if, 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 if I'm going to get it. Well, isn't it? Isn't, I go to church. Come on, pastor. You give me the word. You preach the word. You're doing a good job. Isn't that what we pay you, pay you for you? You get the word for us and tell us all about it, and that's good for us? Is that, is that too real? I always love this one. When I read the word, I never remember what I read. I, I just, I don't remember. Well, let me ask you something. In 2012, most of you were alive in 2012. July 22nd, for dinner, what did you have to eat? Well, I don't know. Well, did you eat? Probably. Yeah, because you fed yourself, right? You were nourished. You're here. Sometimes we don't always remember what we read, but we know our spirit is nourished. Are you saying amen? See, isn't it amazing that we'll set the word aside because we go, well, I just don't remember it. I don't understand it. I... I just And the problem is, is there is a huge spiritual illiteracy concerning the word of God in the church. That concerns me. It concerns me because, you know, well, the reality is the word of God should be much more for us. The word of God should be, David wrote this, he says, I desire it more than my necessary food. He says, I want the word of God on a daily basis. He says, David writes and he says, I meditate on it day and night. He says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, your word is something that I eat and I I enjoy and I put it inside my life. It's a part of my life. But because we come up with all these excuses of why not to be in the word, the word has become ineffective in our lives. Not because it's lost its power, not because it cannot accomplish what it was set to do, but because it's just not in us. 
for most of us, we, we have greatly neglected the word, not because we're bad people or not because that we're sinister, but because, you know what, it's, we, we've just come up with an accommodating theology is why we don't really need it. Come on now. And I believe what has happened is we've grown indifferent to the word. Not hostile. We're, we, if, if somebody came up to you and said, do you believe in the word? You'd say, absolutely. I believe in the Bible. I, I believe it. That's the word of God. I, I, I believe that book. But yet we don't read that book. We don't spend any time in that book. You know, I was thinking about the word of God. The word of God's like the Pacific Ocean. And a lot of people treat the word of God like I treat the ocean. Is what do you mean? I don't like the ocean. I like being on the ocean. I like being by the ocean, but I don't like being in the ocean. Is it why? Because there's scary things in the ocean. There's really scary things. I, the last time I was in the ocean was in 1998. It's almost 20 years, 19 years ago. 19 years ago, I was in the ocean. You know what happened? Me and Pastor Howard were in Mazatlan, and we're on the beach, and we had walked out to about chest deep of water, and the waves were coming in. And so you had to kind of jump up and down and bob back and forth to keep your head above the water. And I, I, I didn't even realize it at the time, but we were bait. That's what, you know, I could see something swimming along going, oh, dear God, it's a buffet. I, seeing me in the water, they're thinking, holy cow, this is great. And as we're bobbing up and down, we come down, and we land on the, you know, the bottom of the, the, the ocean or the seafloor right there. We land, and all of a sudden, something really big brushed up against my legs and Howard's legs. You have never seen a fat boy get out of water so fast. <laughs> I'm telling you, I come, I, I was walking on water that day. I, me and Jesus were walking on water. I was getting out of that ocean, and I haven't been in. I haven't been in since. So I'm not getting in there. That scared me. There's a lot of people that start reading their Bible and they read something and it scares them. Oh, not me. Nope, nope, I'm not getting in there. Holy cow, God will speak to you? Whew. You know the Bible, do you know the Bible tells you that God will speak to you? The Bible says that God will in the early morning hours, he'll come to you and he'll, I know that's what freaks me out. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. God will do supernatural things. Do you, do you know when God shows up, signs, I know that signs and wonders, stop that. Time out, I don't want that. Tear that page out of the Bible. The Bible will convict you. I know, I know. I don't want, who wants to be convicted? I don't even want to know what I did wrong. You know, I, I have enough, I have enough guilt as it is. <laughs> Yeah. So what we do is we we go, okay, all right, I know I need a little bit of the word. So we come up to the Pacific Ocean called the Word of God and we we put our toe in in Santa Barbara somewhere and it's like, okay, I got the word. There, I, I got it. Just a little dab will do you. Yet there's this huge ocean to the with the depths that are unfathomable. The, here's this thing that's so wonderful, filled with treasure. And let me tell you something. There's nothing in the word of God that will eat you. It's all for you. But yet we're content to just put our big toe in. Let me tell you something. There is something in the word of God for you that will change your life. 
It will revolutionize you. He says, well, I don't understand it. The only reason you don't understand it, you haven't spent any time in it. It takes time. The word of God always shows up in seed form. It never shows up in full blossom. It always shows up in seed. That seed is planted in your heart. And when that, when that seed begins to grow, first the blade, then the stalk, then the corn, then the full ear, and then you harvest. A lot of times what happens, we don't even get past the seed because we say we don't understand it. Well, we need to leave it in us long enough for it to grow. And we need to be in it. Can you say amen? So this morning, what I want to do is I want to remind you of our need to return to the word of God. That we once again surrender to the power and the authority of the word. That we need to walk again in the light that the Bible provides. That we stand on the promises that the Bible guarantees. That we once again wield its strength against the enemy of our soul. And that we enjoy the power and the blessing that it provides in our lives. We need to return once again to the word of God and let it find a place of priority in our hearts and our lives. Can you say amen? I want to challenge you this morning. I want to inspire you to a new commitment to the word of God. Now, you may be thinking, sitting here in service, and you may be thinking to yourself, so so what's the big deal? Come on, Pastor, it's just the Bible. What's, what's the big deal? It's, you know, I read it every now and then. I have my daily bread. I, you know, I have my little box with my little thing that I pull out, and I read a verse, and then I stick it in the back. What's the big deal? Isn't that enough? No, it's not. Well, I go to church. I'm faithful to church. Is that, isn't that enough? No, it is not. It's not. Imagine if you only fed yourself once a week. By the way, I, I've been thinking about calling the church to a three-day fast. <laughs> Did you feel that? Did you go, oh, my God, three days with no food? You do it all the time spiritually. <laughs> Come on. Imagine if you only ate once a week. See, it's not enough. We have to be putting the word of God in our lives. So what's the big deal? Well, let me show you what the big deal is. You and I must understand this morning that Jesus and his word can never be separated. Look what the Bible says in in, uh, uh, John 1. I don't know, guys, my clicker's not working. John 1, 1 and verse 14. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen to that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We can't afford to put the Word aside. Can you say amen? You cannot dwell in Christ without the Word dwelling in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if we're going to be committed to abide in him and enjoy all that comes with that abiding, then we must also be committed to allowing his words to abide in us. See, I think the reason it's so easy to forget this principle is because oftentimes we gloss over what the word really is. We look at it as if it were 
just a collection of stories and words on a page. But the Bible this morning is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. It's God's authority and power. That authority and power is present in every word. It penetrates to the deepest parts of our lives. And it separates truth from fantasy. The word of God is powerful. Look what the Bible says about itself. It says in in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Listen to that. Consider what it's saying. It's saying the word of God is living and active. It is not a stagnant, stale, stationary message. It's alive. What does that mean? It'll meet you where you're at. The word of God is simple for the newest of Christians and complex enough for the deepest of theologians. Are you hearing me? The word of God is not static or stationary. It's going somewhere. It's moving. It's not just a simple story or a historical record. It's not just a book of rules. But it's life filled with potential. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Listen, the word of God always accomplishes what God intended. It always does. When you put the word of God in your life, it will accomplish God's plan in your life. When you send it out, when you speak the word, that word will accomplish what God sent it to do. Are you hearing me? See, there is an irresistible power in the word of God. And it will not return empty. You see what he's saying? If you have an unsaved loved one and you send the word to that loved one, it will accomplish what it was sent to do. If you have someone that's sick and needs healing, send the word. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. If your checkbook is empty, send the word. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. If you need deliverance, use the word. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. The word of God has heaven-backed power. Do you know all the word of God is backed by heaven? God has already said yes and amen to his word. Every promise. You don't even have to ask. God says yes. It's done. Yes. I've already said yes and amen. Yes and so be it to the word of God. It's done. It's for us. The reason that we don't see it is because we don't put it in. We don't stand upon it. We don't digest it. We don't make it ours. Jesus said it this way. He said to to those that were following him, he says, I know that you've come for the fish and the bread. He says, but if you really want to be a true follower, you need to drink my blood and eat my flesh. In other words, what he was saying is you need to make me a part of you. That goes along for his word. We need to make that a part of us. It goes on. It says the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. Literally, it's both a weapon and a scalpel. God describes his word as a sword that we use in battle. 
to stand against all the power of the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, it, it tells us to put on the whole armor of God and then to take up the sword of the Spirit, to use that sword against the power of the enemy. What do you mean by that? What, what does that mean? See, when the enemy comes in and tell you, tells you you're a failure, you stand and go, no, the word says I'm a success. When the enemy comes in and tells you you can't, you say, the word says that I can When the enemy comes in and says, I'm going to take you out, you tell him the word says God's going to protect me. It's the word. That is exactly what Jesus did. When the devil came and challenged him on his identity, he says, if you are really the son of God, then turn that stone into bread. Prove who you are. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He turned the devil's temptation by using the word. It was the sword of the Spirit. That's what we do. But also, the Word of God is a scalpel that can reach into the smallest, tiniest areas of our life and cut out what is not healthy without ever damaging any of the healthy tissue inside us. The Word of God is a scalpel that God uses to change our life. He says, my words are spirit and they are life. They are spirit, and they are life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says, there's something about my words that go forward. They are not just empty ringing of a bell, but they are power that accomplish what they've been sent to do. In 1 Peter 1.23, the Bible says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Are you hearing me? D.L. Moody said it this way, the Bible wasn't given for our information, but it was given for our transformation. That's the word of God. See, you say, why, why are you saying these things to us, pastor? Because I want you to understand how important this book is and how much we cannot afford to just leave it on the shelf. You cannot afford to leave it on the shelf. You cannot afford to leave the word of God gone unread and unlived. The Bible is not just the accessories that Christians carry. The Bible is not something that I show up with in church to make me look spiritual. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's a great big 55-pound Schofield or if it's just a New Testament, a Gideon little New Testament. It packs a punch. Can you say amen? And that word needs to get off the page and it needs to get in our heart. Can you say amen? And the only way that we can do that is by reading the Bible. Why is it such a big deal? Because the Bible is Christ incarnate. The Bible is Christ. The question is, if the word of God is such a big deal, then how do I make it a priority in my life? We'll look at Proverbs chapter 4, 20 through 22. It says, my son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. What a prescription that is 
It's amazing to me the prescriptions that we will follow. If a doctor writes out a prescription, we will follow it. But this is a prescription from a heavenly doctor that never fails. 100% success rate. He says this, my son, attend to my words. And he gives us the keys on how to make the word alive in our heart. And the first thing that he says, he says, incline thy ear to my sayings. So in other words, he says, I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen to my word. In Deuteronomy 28.1, it says, hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God and follow his commandments and all these blessings shall be added to you. What is he saying? Hearken diligently means to listen with the intent to obey. This is the same thing here. He's talking about an ear that is listening. Here's the idea. It's of a runner who has set himself in the starting gate, listening for the gun to fire. He's listening for the, for the, for the blast of the starting gun so he could take off running. And that's what God wants us to do with the word. Listen with the intent to obey. To say, you know what, God, if you say it, I'll do it. And so what we do with his word, this is how we put it in. This, when we read this, we read it with the intent that I'm going to follow what that says. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, let those words, let them not depart from thy eyes. Think about it this way. It's, it's like having the word on a piece of paper and we put it in front of us and we just pay attention to it. It's the idea of meditation. It's meditating. It's thinking about. David writes, he says, I meditate on your word day and night. In other words, I think about it all the time. I'm pondering it. I'm thinking about it. It's in front of me all the time. Your word. It's there all the time. So I have set my ears to hear with the intent to obey. And then I set my eyes to see with the intent to understand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then he says, keep it, keep them in the midst of your heart. Enthrone them in your heart. In other, in other words, create a passion, create a priority. So how do I do that? What you pay attention to, you create a passion for. When you pay attention to something, it begins to grow. Let me tell you something out of my own experience. There's been times when I've had dry seasons where I just seem, wasn't seeming to get anything from the word, but I kept going because those seasons will pass. And then all of a sudden, as that season passes, the faithfulness of being in that word, making it my necessary food, taking it in, keeping my ears open, my eyes fixed, my heart elevated in the word, all of a sudden, great revelation comes. Doors are open. My mind sees. I, I begin, my spirit is enriched. Why? Because of the word of God. Sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we won't understand right off. Just because we don't understand something doesn't mean that we cast it to the side. We wait and we pray and we say, God, you will show me in the proper time at the right moment. You will open this up to me and I will know the secrets of this word. But if we don't pay attention to it, if we just excuse it away, if we just say, well, that's just for preachers or that's just for Sunday morning. No, it's for everyday use. 
And if we just push it aside, it will never become anything to us. So I want to show you something. I, I want to take you just a little bit further into this. And I want to show you a very practical method. <clears throat> very practical method for getting this done. This is a, a method that I use in my own Bible study. And I know Pastor Alex uses it in his Bible study, and it's a rich. I, I wish I could claim that I was the originator or the author of this. I am not. It, it comes from a man by the name of Wayne Cordero. And to be honest, then I don't even know if he's really the author of it, but I know he used it in several of his books. But this is such a rich thing. And I, I do hesitate to use formulas because I don't ever believe in one size fits all. But in this particular case, this is a very um, uh, basic way of getting very rich understanding out of the word. So it begins with this. It begins with scripture. Scripture. So here's what you do. When you make a commitment to read the word, make a commitment to read a chapter a day. Now listen, you're going to have to use some wisdom in this. Don't start out in the book of Leviticus. Okay? Because you're probably not going to get it because most don't. Or don't start, a, don't start out and go, you know, I'm, I am going to divine the, the secrets of revelation. No, no. Start somewhere where you can understand. Start in the book of Psalms. Start in the book of John or the book of Acts <coughs> or Matthew. And say, you know what, I'm going to read one chapter. Don't say, I'm going to read the whole book today. You won't. Start with one chapter. And as you read that chapter, pay attention to what stands out to you. What catches your attention. In every reading, there will be a verse or two or three that will catch your attention. For instance, if you're reading John chapter 3, it might be that John 3.16 stands out to you. As you're reading, you, you might go, oh, you're drawn to that. You're like, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it stands out to you. Then what you do is you write that down. Have a notebook. Write down the chapter and verse, the book, chapter, and verse. So you write down John 3, 16, and then you write it out. There's something about that. You're being deliberate. You're being intentional. You're, you're, you're making a log of this thing in your life. And so you write that out. Then what you do is you take a look at your observation. You begin to do exactly what Proverbs 4 says. You begin to pay attention to that verse. What do you see in that verse? What do you see in that verse? What do you hear in that verse? Now, beware, not every voice you hear is God's voice. So make sure that what you're hearing and what you're seeing balance with the rest of the word. But listen, even if you make a mistake in it, oftentimes you can learn just as much from your mistakes as you can from your successes. And sometimes what God will do is he will show you, but in the midst of it, pay attention to your observation. So in John three sixteen, what I observe first and foremost is the love of God, how big it is. For God so loved the world. He loved the whole world. Not just this planet, but the people in it. And I'm part of the world. He loves me. Wow. So write that down. 
Now, admittedly, at first, your observation, your, the scriptures, they may be very simple, and your observations may be very simple, but that's okay. Write it down. Just write it down. Then the next thing is look for an application. Take time to think through, how can I apply what I've just observed? So in this case, I've observed the love of God. I've observed that anyone that comes to Christ can be a, a, a recipient of this love. How can I apply that? Well, I can apply that by saying, you know what? When I'm going through a difficult time in my life, I can know, I can apply the love. I can turn to the love of God. And I could say, you know what, God, you love me. In spite of all that's going on, you love me, God. You care about me. You died for me. You gave your son for me. I need strength. If you gave your son, then you're going to give me strength. If you gave your son, then you're going to give me health. If you gave your son, then you're going to give me provision. And I write that application. I can apply that to my life. Then I write down my prayer. Now what I'm going to do is I write down a prayer that says, Father, help me to apply the love of God to my life. So you're going to ask God. You're going to have this prayer written down so that you can apply your observation of your scripture to your life. And the interesting thing about this method, it's not the only method, and I'm not saying this is the only way to study, but this is an effective way. Because as you do this over and over and over, it will begin to grow. Your ability to observe will grow. Your ability to recognize application will grow. I know at one point in time in my life, my observations were getting two and three pages long. And I had to slow down, I had to back up. But what happens is you keep this in order, and as you fill up notebook after notebook, you can go back and you can begin to examine the journey that God has you on. That it is not coincidence, but that actually there is a divine uh, 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 intervention in your life taking you on a journey through the Word of God. And you'll begin to see growth, and you'll begin to see change, and you'll begin to fall more and more in love with the Word of God. See, church, that's what we need. Here's the bottom line of this sermon. Church, we need the word. I talk to too many people. I, I, I talk to people all the time. And I'll, I'll put out a scripture, and these are people that have been saved a long time, and they go, really, that's in the Bible? Yep, yep. It's right there. Sometimes I'm amazed at my own ignorance of the Bible. And sometimes I, I do, I'll, I'll, I'll do this and I'll, I'll think to myself, how many times have I read that chapter and never saw that? You say, well, why is that? Well, because that book is living. Because it's meeting me right where I'm at. Church, we need the word. Look at, you are not just a warm body. You're part of a kingdom. Your life counts. It matters. God has a plan and purpose for your life. It may be in the church. It may be out of the church. But nonetheless, your Christianity, your life has purpose in the world. 
to extend the kingdom, to extend the name of Jesus. The Bible says that if we will lift his name, he will draw all men unto him. The Bible tells us that if we will be his, his people, he will be our God. You know what the great thing is? The Bible says he's not ashamed to call himself our God. He's proud to be our God. See, church, we, we, we've taken a couple years to look at identity and relationship. All of that's in the Bible. Your identity, who you really are, how God sees you is right there in the Bible. And the fact that he wants an intimate relationship with you is in the Bible. I'm always fascinated by the story in the Old Testament about Enoch. It says Enoch was about 365 years. He walked with God and he was not for the Lord had took him. That just amazes me, church. It amazes me. This is pre-salvation, man. This is before Jesus. This is back in the history. Here's a man that walked with God. Walked with him. And finally, one day, God says, hey, instead of me coming to your place, how about you come to mine? I like that. I really like that. Abraham, father of faith. Moses, a friend of God. You got to love it. Moses had enough temerity inside him to say, God, I want to see you. And God says, okay. He says, you can't take it all, but I'll let you see the back part of my shadow after I've gone but I'm going to have to put you in a cave and hold my hand over your eyes. Otherwise, all of that still will kill you. But he did it. Abraham was game. He goes, okay, let's do it. Gosh, I want him. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I've told you this. I've told this church many times. I want the stories that we hear in the Bible, we read in the Bible, I want them to come out of the Bible and become our reality. And I believe they can. I believe they can. But we're going to have to be intentional. The point is not to read the Bible as a calisthenic. The point is to read the Bible to know him, to know him. We don't do it out of religious duty. We don't do it because somehow we're going to gain some big thing out of it. We do it because we want to know him. We want to fall deeper and deeper in love with him because it feeds our soul energizes us, gives clarity of mind. It helps us. I want to encourage you today, church. Let the Word of God become a priority again in your life. This is just a really easy method. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer.
what I've done for you is when you leave the building today out in the foyer, Pastor Harry will be out there with a table, and I've put that with all the instructions on a piece of paper that you could pick up, you could take, and you could put in your Bible. And I challenge you, I've challenged the last two services, try this for one month. Try it just for one month. Take this, and then make a commitment tomorrow, even today, I'm going to read one chapter in the Bible. For one month, it's 30 chapters. Just pick any book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Psalms. 30 days. And record it. And then at the end of 30 days, stop and go back and read and see what God does. You will be amazed, I guarantee you. You'll be dumbfounded at what God has shown you. And you'll be hungry for more. Because there'll be an insatiable hunger for the living God. Can you say amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our lives. Father, we thank you for this revelation. And Father, we do pray that you would create a hunger in us for your word that we would devour it as our necessary food, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our minds to its riches. Lord, that we would take it in and allow it to become a part of our lives. Father, help us, Lord. Encourage us with it. Remind us, Lord, in the days to come to not set it aside, but to prioritize it every day. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.